Amen. Our communion meditation is from Psalm 37. It's the last two verses, so this will complete the uh, psalm. So Psalm 37, and I'll read verses 39 and 40. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in times of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would use it to mold us into Christ's image. Uh, We thank you, Father, that by the power of the Spirit and your word working in us, uh, you can overcome sin and you can cleanse us of unrighteousness. And we ask you now, Lord, to do that, and we pray that you would open our minds, that we would uh, hear and receive your word in Christ's name. Amen. This uh, text, just these two verses, uh, mentions two concepts, and I already introduced them at the introduction to worship, and so you should be familiar with them, but of salvation and deliverance. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in times of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. And so you see both save and deliver referred to twice. And they are different. To save you is to is regarding you. To deliver you is, to, is really in regards to the enemy that you're being saved from. Now, salvation or saving and deliverance or being delivered are huge concepts in Scripture. And so variants of the word saved occurs about 450 times, and variants of the word deliver occur 550 times. And so you're talking about a thousand times just those words. And then you know that the concept is elsewhere, like helped, for instance. You know that that's a form of salvation, and it's a form of deliverance. And so the concept is just pervasive. All of Scripture speaks of God saving and delivering us. And yet we, in our culture especially, are desensitized to the need of salvation, to the need of deliverance. And in other cultures and other times, you experience it viscerally. I mean, you need salvation. You need deliverance from an evil that has gripped the culture. And yet, in our culture, the grip is almost pleasurable. Sin can be very pleasurable until it manifests itself in some just horribly wicked way, and you find yourself now suffering, debilitating uh, suffering from it. But yet, initially, it is seductive. Initially, it is not often harsh. But we live in a time, and I really regard my whole life as a time of relative peace and comfort. We live in a very peaceful time and culture in this country. When I was young, as a matter of fact, this came out the year after I was born, there was a cartoon. It was one of the first color cartoons. It was entitled Beanie and Cecil. Anybody know Beanie and Cecil? I can remember 15 years later when seeing someone in the context of this saying, help Cecil, help. Because it was done in a humorous way. I was poking fun at their situation because they needed help. Beanie was this little blonde kid with a beanie cap that had a propeller sticking out of it. And Cecil was a green sea serpent. He was referred to as, the, as Cecil the seasick sea serpent, who was always saving Cecil. 
who was always saving the beanie, rather. But so Cecil was this green sea monster that would always come to the rescue of this little boy. And so even years later, I would remark to people, and, you know, I mean, they grew up in my culture too, and so they would know what I was referring to. But when I saw them in a situation where they were uncomfortable, where they needed help, I would say, help, Cecil, help. There is a modern equivalent, and some of you probably that have no idea who Beanie and Cecil are know who this is. And it's and now I have a coworker that doesn't know who this is, but if you've ever watched Nickelodeon, you know who this is. And now we don't have cable; we've never had cable. But when we travel, I'll allow cable to be watched on the uh, hotel television, and so we've seen the show a few times. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Have you ever seen Courage the Cowardly Dog? Oh, I love Courage the Cowardly Dog. <laughs> this dog that doesn't talk always saves this really, really grumpy, grouchy farmer and his incredibly loving and doting wife. And you always think, why does he save the farmer? I mean, he should just save the wife, forget the farmer. But yet he always does, and the man never appreciates it. He always just refers to him as that stupid dog. But see, that's an equivalent. It's, it's, and see, this is what I mean. This is salvation and deliverance American style. Modern American style. This is kind of where we get our sense from. I can remember actually also, this pops into my head, when uh, Abbott and Costello, and uh, you would have uh, Lou Costello be in trouble, and he calls out, Abbott! And then he'd look at the camera and he'd say, I'm in big trouble now, because he's just gotten into some something. But we make fun of the need of deliverance and salvation. I think almost to the degree to where we forget our need of deliverance and salvation. But let me explain. Salvation, again, as I uh, mentioned in the introduction, and I'll cover it again here, salvation for us is both temporal here on this earth and permanent, eternal in heaven above. So we are saved, and all of God's salvation of you on this earth, all of the temporal ways in which he saves you, are intended to have you realize that this is a type. What he's saving you from now, the consequences of your sin, he will save you from permanently in heaven. And deliverance also, his deliverance from your earthly enemies here and now is just a taste of that permanent deliverance that you will one day enjoy. From the moment Adam and Eve sinned, they needed salvation and deliverance. But it's constant. Their need of it is constant. Our need of it is constant, and so we forget. Do you ever think about breathing? No, seldom do you think about breathing. You just breathe. It's just a natural thing that you do. Sinning is really, in many ways, sadly, a natural thing that we do. It's part of who we are. So Adam and Eve, though they need a deliverer, though they need a deliverer from the instant they sinned, and all of their posterity after them, it is something we just all grow desensitized to. And they also needed salvation. From the breath of a child when he's first born, if the doctor has to smack that baby's bottom to get the lungs into action, from that first cry, they need salvation. And I don't know if you've ever had the uh, horrible thing of watching a loved one die, but you see them breathe their last. It's very sad. And so from that first breath of spanking the baby's bum to the last breath, what you should be seeking is a Savior. What you need most, 
more than food, more than clothing, more than shelter, more than water even, more than escaping pain and discomfort, is salvation. You need to be saved from the consequences of being born into a world of sin. God knows this. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put a thousand references to salvation and deliverance in the word. I'm going to read only one. And yet, I think it kind of epitomizes what it is that all of them mean. I'm going to read you Isaiah 45, verse 22. It will be very very familiar. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. So see, that has both the deliverance and the salvation that God promises. I want to go to Judges. Uh, you know, Judges is a very odd book. Uh, I love it, though. It's, it's just so unusual. And yet there are things you find in Judges that you won't find elsewhere in Scripture. This is one of them. In Judges 18, in the beginning of the chapter, and actually even in 17, you have this Micah introduced. But Micah is a Levite. And Micah essentially becomes the personal uh, priest for a man who is devoted to idolatry. So this man takes all this money, he makes this very expensive idol, and he hires Micah to be his personal priest, to interact with this idol that represents his God. But now the Danites, who still have not come into their, their land, they need a land, and they're seeking it. There are 600 armed men that are seeking land. And they come upon this. And let me read just verse 1. Verse 1 in Judges 18. In those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. So now they actually go and find a place where they want to be. And they bring Micah with them. Their personal they, they basically kidnap him. Well, they, they give him a choice. You can die or you can come with us and be our priest. So he chose to live. I choose life. You know where that's from, don't you, Samuel? So now I'd like to skip ahead to verse 27. So they took the things Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish, to a people quiet and secure And they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon, and they had no ties with anyone. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rohob. So they rebuilt the city and dwelt there, and they called the name of the city Dan after the name of their father Dan, who was born to Israel. The city of Laish fell to these 600 armed men like that. Now, we know that Laish, these people, had been forfeited by God generations earlier. The Danites had not come into their ownership of this land. But yet the Laish Laish people, they were living in this city in security, in, in in peace and safety. And yet they had no deliverer. There was nobody on this earth that knew or cared about their existence, their their safety, safety and their peace. Nor was there anybody in heaven because God did not deliver them. And what I want to point out to you is this. What happens in verse 30? Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image 
And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. God gave the Danites their inheritance. And what did they do with it? They set up an idol in it that was there the whole time they worshipped God there. So they lived a syncretistic lifestyle right from the very beginning, right from the time when they kidnapped Micah and set that idol up, up in Dan. They lived a life of mixed allegiances to God. But what? let me point out to you, though, as the Danites did not deserve their inheritance, you do not deserve your inheritance. We are all Danites. We do not deserve what God has given us. And to think that we do is to misunderstand grace. It's to misunderstand our position before God. See, God saved us. He will deliver us. And he will deliver us as often as it needs doing. Just like Cecil delivered Beanie in every episode. Just as Courage uh, courage the Cowardly Dog delivers his... uh, unthankful, uh, uh, grouchy old farmer owner. And in many ways, that's us. We are being delivered, and we have no idea how often. We have no idea how serious the consequences. But yet that's God. He has set his love upon us and chosen to be our Savior and our Deliverer, despite our stubbornness and our evil.